This is Rumble with Michael Moore, and I'm Michael Moore, and welcome everyone. And yes, you know the song. It's that time of year. It's graduation time. Uh, seniors graduating from high school and from college at this time. They start college graduation a little early, but right now we're right in the thick of the high school graduations. And of course, you know, over the years we've added various other graduations. Now there's kindergarten graduation, there's first grade graduation, there's um, either before you go to middle school, so it's either fourth grade or fifth grade graduation, depending on how your middle school. You know, you got to graduate from elementary school first, then there's middle school graduation at eighth grade, and then there's high school graduation. Man, that is, that's the racket to get into. Caps and gowns, right? Somebody run with that. You're thinking about it. I know you are right now. But this, is, um, this has been an interesting year. And thinking about graduation now, this week, to all the, all the people that are graduating out there, preparing for today's show and our special guest that we're going to have joining us uh, shortly. The valedictorian gave the graduation speech at Lake Highlands High School in Dallas, Texas, a little over a week ago, and uh, that speech went viral. She threw out the prepared text that had been approved by the uh, school administration and decided to give the students and their parents something else. Uh, Her name is Paxton Smith. She will be my guest here in just a, a few minutes. But in preparing for this podcast today, I sort of flipped back and started thinking about my high school graduation some X number of years ago, but it was a wild graduation uh, that night. First of all, something was going on that none of us in the country and certainly none of us at my high school knew was going on that night, which is that five burglars were breaking into the Watergate to uh, bug the offices of the Democratic Party committee the head of it and so i'll always remember that that date in june but on that very night that's when watergate happened that's how it comes back to me in my head first of all and then and then i start thinking about how you know f- five days before my graduation i had been elected to the school board i had, I had run as a 18 year old and got elected. It was the first time 18-year-olds could vote. Uh, the voting age had just been lowered from 21 to 18. And so here I am that night, standing in line to walk out onto the football field for graduation. I had been elected by my class to be the spokesperson for the class, to give the graduation speech on behalf of the class. And I'm not quite sure how I was elected to do this. I, I a couple of weeks before that, they had that, that that kind of thing where they they vote on the class, you know, votes on most likely to succeed, best dressed, you know, you know all those things. I think they still do this in most high schools. Of course, I was not voted most likely to succeed. I think that went actually to a student in, in my class that went on to invent or co-invent uh, Barney the dinosaur, the cartoon for kids. Uh, she was in our class, and uh, I don't—I don't remember who got voted what, but I did get voted for something, and it was class comic. Uh, my fellow classmates, uh, sometimes it's class clown, depending on what school you're in. Class comic, usually given to the Weisenheimer who sat in the back of the classroom, 
throwing out various wisecracks to keep everybody laughing and annoying the teachers uh, to death. That was me. And uh, and then a couple weeks, I, I, then I'm elected to give the speech. And I'm thinking, oh, you know what? They probably, because, you know, okay, he's kind of a funny, weird guy. So he'll give a funny, weird speech. And uh, I think that's pretty much what I decided I would do. And then uh, I heard that there was a student who had gotten really high grades, you know, all A's, a couple B's, but was not allowed in the National Honor Society and was not going to be given those honor cords, you know, the honor things that they give you if you have a high grade point average. Um, because at that time, remember this is back in the day, uh, he was in a wheelchair for life, very hard for him to function, quadriplegic, you know, very hard to talk. And uh, so he had to be schooled at home, but was graded and got these great grades. And it was announced or somehow, I don't know how it got around that, even though he'd gotten grades similar to those of us who were in the National Honor Society and who were in the, you know, top, I don't know, 30 or 40 of the class, he wasn't to get any of that. He wasn't to get any honor cords. And I just thought, damn, that is like so harsh and wrong. So I had kept my honor cords from my eighth grade graduation. And I went looking for them and found them in the basement. And I, put, I stuck them in my pocket. And I thought, you know what, I'm going to, he'll be there. I think Gene was his name. And I'm going to give him my, my honor cords from, you know, four years ago. So... I'm called up to the stage to give the speech. I get up there, met the podium, the microphone, and I look down, and there's Gene. And he's right there, right? They've moved him right up front in his wheelchair, and he's, you know, in this kind of contorted thing, and but very happy, and he's kind of he's excited to be there. And, and I just thought, man, simply because he isn't like us, and he's in that wheelchair for life, probably, he doesn't get the uh, thing that the other kids get, even though he got the similar grades. But he had, but he got them at home, homeschooled, you know, which is what all of you who are students have been for the last, you know, 16 months. But that wasn't really done back in the day. So I get up there and I start my prepared uh, speech and uh, I'm look, I look up and I see him and look and he's all happy and waving and smiling and got his cap and gown on no honor cords and after a few sentences i just stopped and i said hey i don't feel like giving the speech that i had written and of course you know all the, the students who had their water guns underneath their gowns and water balloons and all this other st mayhem that was going to happen and thinking i was going to be the the setup guy for this because i was going to give a really funny speech uh and i said you know I just want to say something about school and education and just how off the tracks it is. And especially in the instances we know here with, you know, Gene not being able to get his honor cords or be in the National Honor Society. It's just um, so much injustice we witness as children. And I just, and I'm not going to give you the speech now, but I just, you know, I went on for the next 15 minutes or so with my attitude about how school has to change. And I'd just been elected to the school board and I said, you know, I will try to do what I can do to fix this as a member of the board of education. I don't know how far I'll get, but I don't, I, I, I think we, 
we need to change this up and we need to do better and we need to be thinking about how in school we can become and should become critical thinkers and creative and stand up for what we believe in. All of this should be encouraged instead of punished. And as I'm you know, going through this and I'm thinking about what I just witnessed in line before we walked out onto the football field, I'm standing there in line and the kid in front of me you know, I don't want to violate his privacy or whatever, but I'll, we'll call him Billy. If you were in the class of 72 at Davison High School, you were a witness to this as we were lined up in the hallway outside the cafeteria before going outside the high school and onto the football field. And the assistant principal in charge of discipline, the, you know, the one who always walked around with a paddleboard stick, you know, to whack you. He's checking all going down to make sure every boy has a tie on because you had to follow the dress code. You have to have a tie on. And he's pulled down your gown thing. There's your tie. Okay. Check, tie, check, tie. And he comes to Billy, pulls it down. And he goes, where's your tie? And Billy says, well, this is a tie. And he was, he was wearing a tie. He was wearing what's called a bolo tie, uh, which is a, at that time, and I think still in parts of the South and out West, it's a, it's like a, you've seen cowboy type wear it. You know, it's it's got two long strings to it, and it's fastened together into some sort of you know metallic thing up at the top. You stick it on your collar, and it's got you know you know, the metallic things like a circle, and then the two strings come down from it, and that's the tie. It is a tie, Mr. Ryan. So he's explaining this to Mr. Ryan, and Mr. Ryan says that's not a tie. He says, sir, yes, it is. This is, this is what we wear in my family. I don't think Billy came from a lot of money. Let's, let's put it that way, okay. And Mr. Ryan said, step out. What? Step out of line. But, but, but. And he grabs Billy and yanks him out of the line that we're all standing and waiting in. You're not graduating. You violated the dress code rule. You're out. Get out of here. And I'm standing there watching this. I've just been elected to the school board. I haven't been sworn in yet. I'm about three days away from that. But i am essentially been elected. I'm this guy's boss now, the assistant principal. And I'm standing there and I'm just gritting my teeth. What should I do? What should I say? I should fight. Damn it. And before I could think about what to do, Billy was yanked and gone. And to this day, when I think of that moment, and as I tell you this story, I am ashamed of myself, embarrassed. Where was my courage? I should have stood right up, right in between the two of them, looked right in Ryan's face, Mr. Ryan, said, he's not going anywhere. He's staying right here with us. And I know the rest of the students, if any of you are listening, you know what I'm talking about. We all would have stood with Billy. It would have, um, we could have stopped this. But yet, you know, you're afraid. You're 18. Some were 17. <laughs> no excuse, though. No excuse. And I thought about it all the way out, the march out to the football field. Not proud of myself. This is probably why when they called me up to the stage, I was in such a, a fit 
about this and about myself. And when I got up there and I looked out at the crowd and I looked down at Gene in his wheelchair and I just said, fuck it, fuck it. And I tossed the speech and I said what really needed to be said. And I was, I thought any second they're going to cut this microphone, they're going to pull me out of here. Mr. Ryan is sitting behind me on the stage, the assistant principal, but I didn't care. I just motored on and, and I closed by saying that, you know, we all are, all of us young people, we're not going to tolerate this stuff anymore. Some in my class would that year go on to be the last of young boys drafted and sent to Vietnam. I ended up with a high lottery number, so of my birth, you know, my birth, they pulled bingo balls out of a machine with your birthday on it, and that was the order they they called up people to go into the army and go to Vietnam. Yeah, I had already, I had my plans. I wasn't going to Vietnam, that's for damn sure. I also wasn't going to jail. Uh, so, living just a few miles from Canada, my friends and I had made our escape plans. We'll talk about someday, but um, didn't need it because my birthday was so high up in the calling of the numbers. But that night, that Watergate night, the night I graduated from high school, the night I didn't give the speech I was supposed to give, a speech that upset the administration and what would become my fellow school board members. And at the end of the speech, I said, uh, Gene, I'm sorry this institution couldn't find a way to give you the honor cords that you have earned and earned under much more difficult circumstances uh, than the rest of us. So I still have my honor cords from eighth grade and I'd like to give you them as your honor cords uh, for tonight. And I walked away from the podium and from the administration people on the stage and um, hopped off the stage and took the honor cords out and put them around Gene, who was very, very happy. And the, the class, my class, the crowd went crazy. I don't know if the parents were so crazy about it. I don't have a memory of that. My parents were. But people I graduated with, this great class of really, really wonderful people. It was a great moment. And uh, that's the story of that night, of graduating from high school. It's the last thing I graduated from. I didn't last more than a year and a half in college and dropped out. But I'll always remember that night, and I'll always remember the shame of not conjuring up the courage that I knew I had within me to stand up to this uh, six-foot-four brute of an assistant principal. And, and a resolve, I think, from that night forward to try to never back down or never remain silent again. So maybe that has to happen to each of us at some point. And at that point... We make our turn and we find our voice and we do brave things sometimes, try to. So I want to welcome a new underwriter to this podcast and they are Liquid IV, Liquid IV. Hydrate, 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 right folks? The importance of water, H2O. But with our, especially our American diet, we are missing out on various nutrients, vitamins, and things we should be getting naturally through the food. With one stick of liquid IV in 16 ounces of water, you get two to three times faster and more efficient hydration than just the water alone. So 
on a hot weekend like we had this past weekend, those kinds of days where you're feeling, wow, I am dehydrated or I'm not drinking enough water. I thought I was drinking enough water. Well, uh, when this moment happens, uh, it's liquid IV to the rescue. And also, this company, who is now underwriting my podcast, is donating 4 million servings in response to COVID-19. These products are being donated to hospitals, first responders, food banks, veterans, active military. Liquid IV has, to date, donated over 10 million servings around the world. That's amazing. It not only tastes great, it is quite the boost on all kinds of days, not just hot days, just stressful days, days where you're working a lot, whatever. You can get 25% off when you go to liquidiv.com and use the code RUMBLE at checkout. 25% off your whole order. You can also get Liquid IV in bulk nationwide at Costco if you prefer. I'm grateful to them for underwriting this podcast. So, Nick, can we uh, crank that song back up? We're going back into graduation 2021. On May 30th, a week or so ago, at Lake Highlands High School in Dallas, Texas, the valedictorian of the class, Paxton Smith, decided at the last minute to throw away her school-approved speech to address the never-ending war on women's reproductive rights in a new Texas law signed in May by Republican Governor Greg Abbott that would make all abortions illegal as early as six weeks into a pregnancy. Paxton's speech denouncing this assault on women's rights went viral and has caused a rumble, a good rumble as far as I'm concerned. And I was so moved when I watched her give this speech online, after the fact, of course, and wanted to have her come on our podcast this week, and she has graciously agreed uh, to do so. But before um, we bring her on, uh, let me let me play her graduation speech for you. This is not a long speech. This is how all speeches should be, a little over three minutes. That's all it is. So take the next three minutes to listen to Paxton Smith deliver the graduating class address at Lake Highlands High School in Dallas, Texas on May 30th. As we leave high school, we need to make our voices heard. Today I was going to talk about TV and media and content because it's something that's very important to me. However, under light of recent events, it feels wrong to talk about anything but what is currently affecting me and millions of other women in the state. Recently, the heartbeat bill was passed in Texas. Starting in September, there will be a ban on abortions after six weeks of pregnancy regardless of whether the pregnancy was a result of rape or incest. Six weeks. That's all women get. And so before they realize, most of them don't realize that they're pregnant by six weeks. So before they have a chance to decide if they are emotionally, physically, and financially stable enough to carry out a full-term pregnancy, before they have the chance to decide if they can take on the responsibility of bringing another human being into the world. That decision is made for them by a stranger. A decision that will affect the rest of their lives is made by a stranger. I have dreams and hopes 
and ambitions every girl graduating today does. And we have spent our entire lives working towards our future. And without our input and without our consent, our control over that future has been stripped away from us. I am terrified that if my contraceptives fail, I am terrified that if I am raped, then my hopes and aspirations and dreams and efforts for my future will no longer matter. I hope that you can feel how gut-wrenching that is. I hope you can feel how dehumanizing it is to have the autonomy over your own body taken away from you. And I'm talking about this today, on a day as important as this on a day honoring 12 years of hard academic work, on a day where we are all gathered together, on a day where you are most inclined to listen to a voice like mine, a woman's voice, to tell you that this is a problem, and it's a problem that cannot wait. And I cannot give up this platform to promote complacency and peace when there is a war on my body and a war on my rights a war on the rights of your mothers, a war on the rights of your sisters, a war on the rights of your daughters. We cannot stay silent. Thank you. And there you have it, Paxton Smith with the graduation speech uh, of the year from Dallas, Texas. And I'm very honored uh, to have her with us here today on Rumble. Welcome, Paxton. Hi, thanks for having me. Oh, no, thank you for being on uh, the podcast here and for this speech. I think by now millions have have watched it. Some people just heard it for the first time here on uh, Rumble. But maybe just give us a little bit of, of uh, background in terms of how this came about. Had you written a speech and did it have to be, it said here when I read this, that it had to be approved by somebody in the school. Uh, did you have to show it to somebody? Yes, I actually wrote a different speech entirely about media and content and how it's affected the way that I view the world. And I was anticipating making that speech initially, but I ended up switching it as most of the headlines suggested the last minute. What was going through your mind when you're thinking, boy, I could, um, there could be some trouble here uh, without them approving this? I know there's a First Amendment. Uh, I know <laughs> that the, the Supreme Court ruled back in the 60s that students do not lose their First Amendment rights when they pass through the schoolhouse door. That's the actual quote from the Supreme Court back in the 60s. So you do have rights. I'm just curious what was going through your head and, and how you know concerned or maybe even afraid you were to change this thing up at the last minute. After the passing of the heartbeat bill, I think there was just a turning point for me where I thought, okay, enough is enough. Because of course I had seen all of the restrictions that have been put in place across the country over the last year. Of course, I've seen them and they upset me. But when the heartbeat bill was passed, that was really the final straw for me. And so I felt like I needed to to say something and I needed people to listen to what I had to say because I felt like it mattered. And I, I wrestled with myself a bit before I had made the speech. It's it's not wrong to say that I that I saw myself in the future, possibly receiving repercussions for this, I anticipated a lot of people to be upset with me. 
ultimately, but I felt like it was the right thing to do. And so you went with what your conscience said right. was the right thing to do. And you were aware that you there may be repercussions for this, either from the school. They may cut you off mid-sentence. Mm-hmm. They could deny you your diploma. I mean, I saw on the news this week a uh, student, his parents are the Mexican heritage, and so he walked up on the stage with a Mexican flag around his shoulders to accept his diploma. And the uh, principal, whoever it was, said no. Take that flag off or you're not getting the the diploma. And she wouldn't give him the diploma and she gave him the empty case and he walked off the stage. So there are instances when students speak their mind, do what should be constitutionally protected. And that could have happened that Mm -hmm. day there at your high school graduation uh, where they decide instantly to deny you your diploma. And I'm sure you must have thought the kind of holy storm that might arise on social media uh, from people who vehemently disagree with um, mm-hmm. your position. Yeah. And yet you forged through all that. You persisted. You went on and did what you thought was right. Mm-hmm. But none of that happened. They gave you your, your diploma, right? Mm-hmm. I got my diploma. And mm-hmm. I haven't received very many angry messages, really. So, uh, so no serious repercussions yet. Right. I would imagine you've received a lot of very positive feedback from people across the country and the world, and um, especially from young people and women and those who support reproductive rights. I have. I've gotten hundreds of messages, and I, I'm, I'm doing my best to read through all of them and respond to each of them, but there's so many. Has the media been contacting you? So much, yes. How, how, how's that going? Well, it's certainly very hectic. There were about two days where I was doing 20 to 30 interviews a day. And mm. since then, it's died down a bit. But there's been a lot going on on my end. Have you thought more about it? Like if you could rewind, go into a time tunnel, go back. Is there something that else you wish you should have said or could have said or added on to anything? Or was that three plus minutes? Really, that was just that's what needed to be said. I thought it was what needed to be said. Did you grow up in a home where your parents uh, encouraged you to uh, speak your mind, have your own opinions, be a critical thinker, that that sort of thing? I mean, did you know? Did you have uh, sort of some flexibility as a child to be yourself? I think it starts with uh, the parents treating you like your opinion matters, and like they should listen to what you have to say. So we've certainly had a lot of different conversations about many different topics where we might not necessarily agree, or we might not necessarily see eye to eye, but we still agree to have a a peaceful conversation about it where we can hear each other's sides. And I think that's helped shape me into who I am today. Mm. And additionally, there is this idea in the house that if, if you're going to have an argument about something, you should understand not just your point of view, but you should also understand the other sides of the argument so that your opinion is better well-rounded and better grounded. So this new abortion law in Texas, has this been a, a topic uh, either in school or amongst your friends? It hasn't been a super big topic We've talked about it briefly in government class and outside of school with my friends. It just depends on their level of comfort with discussing that topic. Because for some people, it is it is a bit uncomfortable. I, I was trying to listen when I was to the background noise 
during your speech, and it's, it was hard to pick up. But when you, especially when you started talking about this is a war on women, and this is a war on, you know, people trying to take over control of our bodies. There was some noise. I don't. I couldn't tell if it. Did you get applause for that? Were there boos? I mean, just curious what the reaction was in the moment. It was a very positive reaction. Uh, you can't tell on the video, but the cheers started about halfway through my speech, and they kept going up until the end. And it was very loud at the end. Wow. Yeah. You, I could hear it at the end, and I was like thinking again. This is probably just my own prejudice about Texas. No offense. I'm thinking this is Dallas, Texas, and they are cheering her. Yeah. And, right? Yeah. I mean, walk me walk me through that. It would be ignorant to say that there's not a large conservative uh, proportion of the population where I live and definitely at my school. So like you, I was also very surprised by how positive the response was. It gave me hope, actually, you know, that... Because I think there are things in Texas that are changing, even though we have these horrible laws, whether it's about abortion, whether it's about uh, voter suppression, all the, you know, just one thing after another, right? And yet, Mm -hmm. you see signs of change happening. Ted Cruz barely gets reelected. It's, you know, a very close vote. You you see that 57% of the state is not white. It's 43% white and 57% are Hispanic, black. Uh, Native Americans, um, that's a change for Texas. Mm-hmm. I mean, there, you know what I'm saying? I mean, from just from a yeah. distance, it seems like things are changing, and perhaps we are close to things getting better. I certainly hope so. Where are you going to go to school if you are going to go to college? I'm going to the University of Texas at Austin, most likely to study music. Oh, wow. What What kind of music? Recording technology or music business. Okay, so you're not a political science student. No. Are you Are you politically active at all in any way? Define politically active. Well, we'll start with, um, are you looking forward to voting uh, for the first yes. time? Yes. And you will vote. So, okay, that's a first step. I don't know, have you ever gone to a protest? Have you? Um, do you belong to any groups? Um, uh, do you have political discussions with friends or... Uh, family? Okay. If that is the criteria, then yes, I would say I am politically active. I've been to rallies and different political topics are not uncommon for me to talk about. Yeah. When I say politically active, I, I really, I'm not trying to set the bar low here. I just want people listening. I want average Americans to know that they don't have to be, be big political leaders. Mm-hmm. They don't have to be politicians. They can just they can just do what you just told me that you do. I agree. Which is, and imagine if most Americans just did what you described you doing. I, I think we'd live in a better country. I don't know. Um, hey, I want to ask you this. You said that you were going to give a speech on media and how it affects us these days and all that. We didn't get to hear that speech. I'm just curious. Can you tell me a little bit about what you were planning to say um, about uh, the media in this country right now? Well, I was actually going to talk about content and media um, and what constitutes that. So like music, television, movies, art, dance, all of those things and how I, I watch a lot of it. I spend a lot of time taking that in and in a way that has shaped the way my expectations of reality. But at the end of the day, that's not necessarily something that's realistic to do because 
that content is just entertainment and that entertainment is is catered to you based on what people think you will like, not necessarily what reality is. If you were talking to other young people, young adults right now, what is it that you'd like to say to them in terms of maybe they've thought of doing something that might feel like it would require a little bit of courage uh, to do? I'm just curious what you would, you know, what you would say to them in just from this experience or just from your own. I love the fact that you're a music student you know, <laughs> you're not a political science. You're not going to, that's not going to be your major. What would you say? Probably not. What would you say to people your age? I received a very good piece of advice after, uh, in the midst of this whole thing. And it was, if you can go with your heart and then put your instincts from your heart with your head, with what you're, th- with your thinking, then you can't go wrong. Wow. That's great advice. Just before we go, I just want to tell you that I was the graduation speaker at my graduation. Mm-hmm. And not because I was the valedictorian, but uh, we, in our school, they, 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 you, had to, you were voted on by the senior class. And, okay. um, and so I went up, and when I saw you do this, I just thought, wow, this is very cool. More of this, please, in the United States of America. Thank you. And, and all of us to be inspired by, we all need to get involved in this fight for women's rights, for reproductive rights, to, you know, fix the, what I call a gender apartheid situation in this country where women are the majority gender and yet 75% of Congress are men. Uh, So Mm -hmm. that means the minority gender is making the laws, controlling everything. It just doesn't seem right to me. Do you think you'll ever run for something someday? Would you ever even consider that? I mean, maybe it's too early to, have you turned 18 yet? I am 18. You are 18. Okay. Yeah, that's a possibility in my future but i'm 18 i have i don't know necessarily what it is i want to do yet i'm really just playing things by ear yeah no no you know enjoy life keep that process of learning going and uh get a url pass when they open europe back up take take a bunch of trains across okay. you know just <laughs> do the pressure i see young people under to get to college and then get a job and and yes Go to college, and yes, of course, someday, of course, get a job. But nonetheless, man, this is your one life, you know. Mm-hmm. Enjoy it, and please keep keep being who you are and whatever that means. Thank you. Thank you, Paxton, for coming on my podcast today. I greatly appreciate it. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it as well. All right. Be well. Hey, before I, I talk just for a few minutes, my final thoughts about what we do about Joe Manchin, let me just uh, thank our other longtime underwriter, Express VPN. As you know from listening to this podcast, uh, I really like uh, this endeavor, Express VPN. They're here to help protect us from a handful of tech companies, uh, not, you know, not hackers from Russia, our American tech companies that basically have a monopoly over their corner of the internet and how they use private information about you and me and sell it to become the billion trillion dollar companies that they are. Listen to this. The same company that controls half of all online retail can also passively eavesdrop on your private conversations at home. You already know this. A single company controls 90% of internet searches. It runs your email service. You know who I'm talking about here the big G, and gets to track everything you do on your smartphone. Big tech is more powerful than most countries are, and they profit 
by exploiting your personal data. So it's time to put a layer of protection between your online activity and these tech juggernauts. And that's why I use and I thank ExpressVPN for their existence and for their support of this podcast. All you got to do is download the app. It's easy to use. Download it on your phone or computer. Tap one button and you're protected just like that. And they have a special offer for Rumble listeners. If you visit expressvpn.com, expressvpn.com slash rumble, and you can get three extra months of this protection for free. So go there and do that right now. You can learn more about it and thank them for being a strong supporter of my voice, of this podcast, and of you and I being able to have the ability to have these important conversations every day. So thank you, ExpressVPN. So before we go today, I, I just, I, Joe Manchin, really, dude, I was so nice to you trying to say, just tell us what you want. We'll get whatever you need in West Virginia. We'll get it there. I don't care if they call it pork, but he didn't respond. And from what I know, he didn't ask Biden for X, Y, and Z for West Virginia in exchange for him voting for these voting rights acts, for ending the filibuster, for the George Floyd Law Enforcement Act, the John Lewis Voting Rights Act. He's announced that he's going to put a stop to all of it. He's going to be the one vote that's going to block what the majority of 300 million Americans want passed. One man thinks he has the right to do that. Wow. And he said so on Sunday. He just said, flat out said, sorry, not having any of this. And the Republicans leapt for joy and they were like, wow, this is cool. He's one of us. And I was so bummed out all day Sunday after seeing him on the morning talk shows announcing that he was going to block all this good stuff. That night I turned on the Kennedy Center Honors, a hero of mine, a mentor of mine, and uh, now a friend of mine, Joan Baez, was receiving the Kennedy Center Honors, which every year go to people in the arts who have essentially contributed a lifetime of great art for all of us and good works for the world. And so Joan Baez was one of the recipients, as was Dick Van Dyke and Debbie Allen, Garth Brooks. It, it, it was quite a ceremony and moving in many ways, especially the Joan Baez portion of this. So Emmy Lou Harris and Mary Chapin Carpenter came out to sing a, a medley of Joan's songs, either songs that she wrote or songs that she participated in making quite famous, such as the civil rights anthem that she sang on the march to Selma and at the Martin Luther King March on Washington in 1963, there at the Lincoln Memorial, where she sang, uh, We Shall Overcome. And so they sang, We Shall Overcome. She's sitting there in the, in the front row, and they go into the second verse. And Joan is smiling and happy, and as she should be, richly deserved this award. And then right behind her, sitting right behind her, is Joe Manchin, Senator Joe Manchin. And what's he doing? Well, first of all, what's he doing there? Okay, I assume anybody in Congress can go to this. And there's Manchin 
And um, all of a sudden, he joins in in singing the song as this tribute to Joan Baez. And, and, and he's joined, it's the second verse of the, uh, that night, at least the second verse of the song. And so there he is on live national, national television, CBS, Joe Manchin. He was singing that. The guy acting as the sole roadblock in the Democratic Party to stop these laws from being enacted that would prohibit voter suppression that would reinforce voting rights, that would create a new way to deal with law enforcement in the George Floyd Act, and would take the filibuster away from the Republicans who plan to stop every damn thing that Biden wants to do. One guy, Joe Manchin, and he is standing there right behind Joan Baez singing, we shall overcome, we shall not be afraid. It was so surreal, my friends. And Joe, if anybody's playing this part of my podcast for you, what the fuck? Seriously. Stop it. Yesterday, on on Tuesday, all of our great top civil rights leaders went and met with him to try to convince him, please, 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 don't do this damage to us now. Not here in post-Trump. Don't do this. And they said he was respectful and he listened. Maybe they moved him on a couple things, maybe. But no, he's not gonna. He's not gonna stop, and he doesn't leave office until, you know, this term that he's in right now. He's elected until January of 2025. So there's no way to remove him. We either got to convince him to go along, or we've got to get more people elected next year. And I'm sure you've listened to and heard all the early prognoses of what might happen next year. Uh, we could lose the House and the Senate. So we've got a big ball of crap in front of us here. And we need to get smart and we need to get busy and we need to get loud. We can't let this moment pass. We can't let the Republicans stop. Majority is a majority. I mean, that vote that took place a, a week or two ago where the Republicans, through their filibuster threat, stopped a, a bill from being passed that would form a commission, a bipartisan commission, to examine what happened on January 6th, the insurrection, to study the act of terrorism on January 6th. The commission, well, it passed in the U.S. Senate. 54 in favor, 35 against. But because of the Republicans saying that the majority is not 51 anymore. It's 60. You got to have 60. So they only, they only had 54. They didn't get to 60. So legally, officially, it didn't pass. This has to change. What kind of a democracy is this? This nonsense has got to stop. The filibuster is racist. It's been racist for 100 years. Needs to stop. Need to get rid of it. Biden needs to stand up. He's tried to listen, to get them to come on board. They won't come on board. He's not going to back down on this stuff. I mean, he, he even went so far as to, to take a trillion dollars out of the infrastructure bill and not raise the corporate tax rate up into the 22, 25%, but let him just have it at 15%. Mitch McConnell and the Republicans are, no, 
We're not, we're not increasing any taxes. If it means some corporations pay no taxes, great. That's their position. Their position is to stop Biden, vote no on everything, just like they did with Obama. Obama let him get away with it. Biden, I don't think, is going to. I hope he's not going to. We need to be loud about this, my friends. Our voices must be heard. This is some serious stuff. And Joe Manchin, singing there, because you're, you're right next to Joan Baez, and you're singing that song? And you're just, and you're going to turn around in the next day or two after doing that and, and tell all of our black leaders that you're going to vote against their voting protections. You're going to vote essentially in favor of voter suppression. That is a lot of gall. And we are not going to settle for it. You better figure out what you're going to do, Joe. Because we, the people, we have spoken. We have decided who we want running Congress and the White House. And we're going to have to get the Supreme Court somehow back into the hands of what the majority of Americans want. That's what I wanted to say, closing out here. We have to deal with this. We have to fight it. It's serious, folks. Uh, The Republicans have every intent on taking over Congress next year at the election in November of 2022. Um, so we have to recommit, triply recommit ourselves uh, to making sure that doesn't happen and that the things that the majority of Americans want take effect. I hear the music. The music is playing. I think it's time for now the, I have to march out off the football field and go on and live my life. I want to thank Paxton Smith for being my guest today. I look forward to what she's going to do in this world. And all of you, all of you graduates, whatever you're going to do, however you're going to do it, you know, be yourselves. Follow your heart. Follow your conscience. Question everything. See the world. Don't don't let society pressure you into giving up your youth so you can make money, so you can pay back those student loans. We're going to get rid of that. We have to fight for that too. Get rid of these damn student loans. But enjoy this time of your life and um, and be fearless. Be fearless the way Paxton Smith was last week. More of that. More of that from all of us and we're going to live in a better country. Thank you. And my two fellow graduates, the executive producer of this episode, Basil Hamden, and um, our engineer and editor, Nick Quaz. You guys want to pipe in and tell us what your GPA was? Uh, Nick's was a solid 2.2. He wasn't a show-off. And and mine was a 3.5. Impressed by both of you. (laughs) And, and, And you've gone on to live a life. Neither of you went to Wall Street. Um, and, <laughs> and then privately you're going yes Mike we know well thank you uh, for you guys the two of you and thank all of you whatever regardless of what your grade point average was you will judge yourself in this life by what you do for others and I'm counting on all of you to do exactly that blessings to all of you I'm Michael Moore and this is Rumble